Section 5 of Lives of the Most Remarkable Criminals Who Have Been Condemned and Executed for Murder, the Highway, Housebreaking, Street Robberies, Coining, or Other Offenses. Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lives of the Most Remarkable Criminals Who Have Been Condemned and Executed. Volume 1 edited by arthur l hayward section five the life of william barton a highwayman this william barton was born in thames street london and seemed to have inherited a sort of hereditary wildness and inconstancy his father having been always of a restless temper and addicted to every species of wickedness except such as are punished by temporal laws while this son william was a child he left him without any provision to the care of his mother and accompanied by a concubine whom he had long convened with shipped himself for the island of jamaica carrying with him a good quantity of goods proper for that climate intending to live there as pleasantly as the place would give him leave his head being well turned both for trading and planting it was indeed probable enough that he should succeed now no sooner was his father gone on this unaccountable voyage but william was taken home and into favour by his grandfather who kept a great eating-house in covent garden here will if he would might certainly have done well his grandfather bound him to himself treated him with the utmost tenderness and indulgence and the gentlemen who frequented the house were continually making him little presents which by their number were considerable and might have contented a youth like him but william whose imagination was full of roving as his father's far from sitting down pleased and satisfied with that easy condition into which fortune had thrown him began to dream of nothing but travels and adventures in short in spite of all the poor old man his grandfather could say to prevent it to sea he went and to jamaica in quest of his father who he fancied must have grown extravagantly rich by this time the common sentiments of fools who think none poor who have the good luck to dwell in the west indies on barton's arrival at jamaica he found all things in a very different condition from what he had flattered himself with his father was dead and the woman who went over with him settled in a good plantation tis true but so settled that will was unable to remove her so he betook himself to sea again and rubbed on the best way he was able but as if the vengeance of heaven had pursued him or rather as if providence by punishments designed to make him lay aside his vices barton had no sooner scraped a little money together but the vessel in which he sailed was under the usual pretence of contraband goods seized by the spaniards who not long after they were taken sent the men they made prisoners into spain the natural moroseness of those people's temper makes them harsh masters poor barton found it so and with the rest of his unfortunate companions suffered all the inconveniences of hard usage and low diet though as they grew nearer the coast of spain that severity was a little softened when they were safely landed they were hurried to a prison where it was difficult to determine which was worst their treatment or their food above all the rest barton was uneasy and his head ever turned towards contriving an escape when he and some other intriguing heads had meditated long in vain an accident put it in their power to do that with ease which all their prudence could not render probable in the attempt 
a thing common with men under misfortune who have reason therefore never to part with hope finding an old wall in the outer court of the prison weak and ready to fall down the keeper caused the english prisoners amongst others to be sent to repair it the work was exceedingly laborious but barton and one of his companions soon thought of a way to ease it they had no sooner broke up a small part of the foundation which was to be new laid but stealing the spanish soldiers pouches they crowded the powder into a small bag placing it underneath as far as they could reach and then gave it fire this threw up two yards of the wall and while the spaniards stood amazed at the report barton and his associates marched off through the breach without finding the slightest resistance from any of the keeper's people though he had another party in the street but this would have signified very little if providence had not also directed them to a place of safety by bringing them as soon as they broke out of the door to a monastery thither they fled for shelter and the religious of the place treated them with much humanity they succored them with all necessary provision protected them when reclaimed by the jailer and taking them into their service showed them in all respects the same care and favor they did to the rest of their domestics yet honest labor however recompensed was grating to these restless people who longed for nothing but debauchery and struggled for liberty only as a preparative to the indulging of their vices and so they began to contrive how they should free themselves from hence barton and his fellow-engineer were not long before they fell on a method to effect it by wrenching open the outer doors in the night and getting to an english vessel that lay in the harbour ready to sail they had not been aboard long ere they found that the charitable friars had agreed with the captain for their passage and so all they gained by breaking out was the danger of being reclaimed or at least going naked and without any assistance which to be sure they would have met with from their masters if they could but have had a little patience but the passion of returning home or rather a vehement lust after the basest pleasures hurried them to whatever appeared conducive to that end however fatal in its consequence it might be when they were got safe into their native country again each took a course for a livelihood as he liked best whether barton then fell into thievery or whether he learned not that mystery before he had served an apprenticeship thereto in the army i cannot say but in some short space after his being at home tis certain that he listed himself a soldier and served several campaigns in flanders during the last war being a very gallant fellow he gained the love of his officers and there was great probability of his doing well there having gained at least some principle of honour in the service which would have prevented him doing such base things as those for which he afterwards died but unhappily for him the war ended just as he was on the point of becoming paymaster sergeant and his regiment being disbanded poor will became broke in every acceptation of the word he retained always a strong tincture of his military education and was peculiarly fond of telling such adventures as he gained the knowledge of while in the army among other stories that he told were one or two which may appear perhaps not unentertaining to my readers when brussels came towards the latter end of the war to be pretty well settled under the imperialists abundance of persons of distinction came to reside there and in the neighbourhood from the advantage natural to so fine a situation amongst these was the baron de casteja a nobleman of a spanish family who except for his being addicted excessively to gaming was in every way a fine gentleman 
he had married a lady of one of the best families in flanders by whom he had a son of the greatest hopes the baron's passion for play had so far lessened their fortune that they lived but obscurely in a village three leagues from brussels where having now nothing to support his gaming expenses he grew reformed and his behaviour gained so high and general esteem that the most potent lord in the country met not with higher reverence on any occasion the great prudence and economy of the baroness made her the theme of general praise while the young chevalier de casteja did not a little add to the honours of the family it happened that the baron had a younger brother in the emperor's service whose merit having raised him to a considerable rank in his armies he had acquired a very considerable estate to the amount of upwards of one hundred thousand crowns which on his death he bequeathed him upon this accession of fortune the baron casteja as is but too frequent fell to his old habit and became as fond of gaming as ever the poor lady saw this with the utmost concern and dreaded the confounding this legacy as all the baron's former fortune had been consumed by his being the dupe of gamesters in deep affliction at the consideration of what might in future time become the chevalier's fortune she therefore entreated the baron to lay out part of the sum in somewhat which might be a provision for his son the baron promised both readily and faithfully that he would out of the first remittance a few weeks later he received forty thousand crowns and the baroness and he set out for brussels under pretence of inquiring for something proper for his purpose carrying with him twenty thousand crowns for the purchase but he forgot the errand upon the road and no sooner arrived at brussels but going to a famous marquis's entertainment in a very few hours lost the last penny of his money returning home after this misfortune he was a little out of humour for a week but at the end of that space making up the other twenty thousand privately he intended to set out next day the poor lady at her wit's end for fear this large sum should go the same way as the other bethought herself of a method of securing both the cash and her son's place she communicated her design to her major-domo who readily came into it and having taken three of the servants and the baroness's page into the secret he sent for barton and another englishman quartered near them and easily prevailed on them for a very small sum to become accomplices in the undertaking in a word the lady having provided disguises for them and a man's suit for herself caused the touch-holes of the arms which the baron and the two servants carried with him to be nailed up and then towards evening sallying at the head of her little troop from a wood as he passed on the road the baron being rendered incapable of resistance was robbed of the whole twenty thousand crowns with this she settled her son and the baron was so far touched at the loss of such a provision for his family that he made a real and thorough reformation and barton from this exploit fell in love with robbing ever after another adventure he related was this being taken prisoner by the french and carried to one of their frontier garrisons a treaty shortly being expected to be settled to relieve the miseries he endured barton got into the service of a gascon officer who proved at bottom almost as poor as himself however after barton's coming he quickly found a way to live as well as anybody in the garrison which he accomplished thus all play at games of chance was in the score of some unlucky accidents proceeding from quarrels which it had occasioned absolutely forbidden 
and the provosts were enjoined to visit all quarters in order to bring the offenders to shameful punishments the gascon captain took advantage of the severity of this order and having concerted the matter with a countryman and comrade of his a known gamester plundered all the rest who were addicted to that destructive passion for gaining intelligence of the private places where they met from his friend he putting himself barton and another person into proper habits attacked these houses suddenly almost every night with a crowd of the populace at his heels and raised swinging contributions on those who being less wicked than himself never had any suspicion of his actions but took him and his comrades for the proper officer and his attendants barton's greatest unhappiness was his marriage he was too uxorious and too solicitous for what concerned his wife how well soever she deserved of him for not enduring to see her work honestly for her bread he would needs support her in an easy state of life though at the hazard of the gallows there is however little question to be made but that he had learned much in his travels to enable him to carry on his wicked designs with more ease and dexterity for no thief perhaps in any age managed his undertakings with greater prudence and economy and having somewhere picked up the story of the pirate and alexander the great it became one of will's standing maxims that the only difference between a robber and a conqueror was the value of the prize being one day on the road with a comrade of his who had served also with him abroad in the army and observing a stage-coach at a distance in right of the seniority of his commission as a knight of the pad barton commanded the other to ride forward in order to reconnoitre the young fellow obeyed him as submissively as if he had been an aide-de-camp and returning brought him word that the force of the enemy consisted of four bow laden with blunderbusses two ladies and a footman then quoth will we may e'en venture to attack them let us make our necessary disposition i will ride slowly up to them while you gallop round that hill and as soon as you come behind the coach be sure to fire a pistol over it and leave the rest to me things thus adjusted each advanced on his attack barton no sooner stopped the coach and presented his pistol at one window than his companion after firing a brace of balls over the coach's head did the like at the other which so surprised the fine gentlemen within that without the least resistance they surrendered all they had about them which amounted to about one hundred pounds which barton put up come gentlemen says he let us make bold with your firearms too for you see we make more use of them than you so seizing a brace of pistols inlaid with silver and two fine brass blunderbusses will and his subaltern rode off but alas will's luck would not last as his rogueship used to express it for attempting a robbery in covent garden where he was too well known he was surprised committed to newgate and on his conviction ordered to be transported for seven years to his majesty's plantation whither he was accordingly carried when he was landed a planter bought him after the manner of that country and paid eighteen pounds for him barton wanting neither understanding nor address he soon became the darling of his master who far from employing him in those laborious works which are usually talked of here put upon him nothing more than merely supervising his slaves and taking care of them when business obliged him to be absent one would have thought that so easy a state of life after the toil and miseries such a man as him of whom we are speaking must have run through would have been pleasing and that it might have become a means of reclaiming him from those vices so heinous in the sight of god 
and for which he had barely escaped the greatest punishment that can be inflicted by man at first it indeed made some impressions not very different from these barton owning that his master's treatment was such that if a man had not absolutely bent his mind on such courses as necessarily must make him unhappy he might have enjoyed all he could have hoped for there of which he became so sensible that for some time he remained fully satisfied with his condition but alas content when its basis rests not upon virtue like a house founded on a sandy soil is incapable of continuing long no sooner had barton leisure and opportunity to recollect home his friends and above all his wife but it soon shocked his repose and having a while disturbed and troubled him it pushed him at last on the unhappy resolution of returning to england before the expiration of his time for which he was banished this project rolled for a very considerable space in the fellow's head sometimes the desire of seeing his companions and above all things his wife made him eager to undertake it at others the fear of running upon inevitable death in case of a discovery and the consideration of the felicity he now had in his power made him timorous at least if not unwilling to return at last as is ordinary amongst these unhappy people the worst opinion prevailed and finding a method to free himself from his master and to get aboard a ship he came back to his dearly beloved london and to those measures which had already occasioned so great a misfortune and at last brought him to an ignominious death on his return his first care was to seek out his wife for whom he had a warm and never-ceasing affection and having found her he went to live with her taking his old methods of supporting them though he constantly denied that she was either a partner in the commission or even so much as in the knowledge of his guilt but this quickly brought him to newgate again and to that fatal end to which he like some other flagitious creatures of this stamp seem impatient to arrive since no warning no admonition no escape is sufficient to deter them from those crimes which they are sensible the laws of their country with justice have rendered capital barton's return from transportation was sufficient to have brought him to death had he committed nothing besides but he whether through necessity as having no way left of living honestly or from his own evil inclinations ventured upon his old trade and robbing amongst others the lord viscount lisburne of the kingdom of ireland and a lady who was with him in the coach of a silver-hilted sword a snuff-box and about twelve shillings in money he was for this fact taken tried and convicted at the old bailey he immediately laid by all hopes of life as soon as he had received sentence and with great earnestness set himself to secure that peace in the world to come which his own vices had hindered him from in this he got some good books which he read with continual devotion and attention submitted with the utmost patience to the miseries of his sad condition and finding his relations would take care of his daughter and that his wife for whom he never lost the most tender concern would be in no danger of want he laid aside the thoughts of temporal matters altogether expressing a readiness to die and never showing any weakness or impatience of the nearest approach of death much of that firmness with which he behaved in these last moments of his life might probably be owing to natural courage of which certainly barton had a very large share but the remains of virtue and religion to which the man had always a propensity notwithstanding that he gave way to passions which brought him to all the sorrows he knew yet the return he made 
when in the shadow of death to piety and devotion enabled him to suffer with great calmness on friday the twelfth of may seventeen twenty one aged about thirty-one years end of section five